Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Well, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, and uh, I don't know how long we're going to be in Matthew. Um, uh, As I said last week, uh, I've already preached through the Sermon on the Mount here as a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So when we get through four, um, we're probably going to skip the Sermon on the Mount and head to to chapter eight. Uh, Just kind of giving you a, a, a heads up as far as where we're going. Now I want to I want us to think about um, a little bit about preaching. Okay, what am I doing up here? Uh, I'm I'm proclaiming God's word, um, and and all good preaching. I, I had a conversation through text with uh, Ron this week, and all good preaching should have application. Right? Uh, it, it is it is uh, not just coming up here and giving a lecture, but it's urging us. To do something, right? Um, and something I've, I've heard here recently, uh, or I read here recently, was that every sermon, as its application, should either be telling us uh, a, a, either a command to obey, or it's urging us to worship. And this morning, the text that we're looking at, I think, is urging us to worship. We're going to be looking at the identity of who Jesus is. And when we look at the identity of who Jesus is, this is not, other than you know, believing on Him, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's telling us about Him, about His glory, about who He is, and, and we ought to recognize Him for who He is. And when we recognize Him for who He is, that should produce worship in our hearts. Um, this morning, we, we looked last week at... at, at uh, uh, John the Baptist, he came as a forerunner to the Messiah, proclaiming, he's finally come. The Messiah is finally here. And John, he's preaching a baptism of repentance, right? And people are coming out to him, out into the wilderness, to, and they're repenting of their sins, they're confessing, and they're being baptized by him. And then all of a sudden... As John has been out there preaching in the wilderness a message of repentance, Jesus comes to him and says, baptize me. Now, if we've been grown up in church, we might think, well, of course, yeah, that's how Jesus began his public ministry, right? But just think about it. Think, put, it put yourself in John's shoes here, and, and he, he does, he, he kind of, he's like, no, you should be baptizing me. Why does Jesus need to come and submit to this baptism of repentance? Jesus was sinless. He didn't have anything to repent of. He had no sins to confess. So let's think about that in the background as we read our text, as we come to the Word this morning. Let's uh, go ahead and read, beginning in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, "Let, uh, Let it be so now, for 
Thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up, out, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And, the, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that it tells us our condition as sinners in need of repenting. Lord, we thank you that it tells us about Jesus who came to take our punishment. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your word tells us how we can have life everlasting. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, cause our hearts to well up with worship this morning as we consider who Jesus is. Lord, we love you. I pray that you give me strength and grace, grace, as I preach your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text begins, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Pretty simple introduction. Uh, when it says then, it says succeeding action. You know, we've got John is already out there. He's been preaching this message. He's been preaching repentance. People were coming out to him. We don't know that it was immediately following uh, the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were out there. But it was, it was sometime after that that John had had this, this uh, confrontation with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus came from Galilee. Of course, Galilee is the region where Nazareth was. As Jesus, uh, we, we saw from his infancy, he was born in Bethlehem. He went down to Egypt fleeing from Herod. And then whenever he was, the, his, Joseph was told he could return, he returned and came to Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee, so we suspect uh, Jesus was coming from Nazareth. And this is where he begins his public ministry. Uh, he came to John to be baptized by him. And we've already kind of considered this. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? And he talks about this. I think in verses uh, 14 and 15, we see that uh, Jesus was, was baptized. His baptism, he identifies with us and he shows us what he came to do. Uh, in verse 14, he says, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized you, and do you come to me? Jesus was sinless. He, he, he was perfect. Born of a virgin. He, 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 uh, he did not... Uh, have within himself uh, original sin. He did not. He had not committed any sins. He was perfect. He was blameless. And John recognized who he was. Just like you can think back uh, uh, in the Luke story, whenever uh, Mary came to visit Elizabeth, 
And when Elizabeth was in the presence of Mary, John leapt in the womb. He recognized who Jesus was. He leapt in the womb uh, even, even before He was born. And John now has Jesus come to him and recognizing Jesus is perfect. He has no sin. He has no need to confess anything. And he recognizes he's greater than he is. Um, John had said about the one who comes after him, he said, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He recognized Jesus is the greater one. And Jesus, he's the one who should be baptizing John. And yet, Jesus comes to him. Verse 15, But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. So, the, this phrase here, it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. This, I think, gets to why Jesus had to be baptized. It was so that all righteousness could be fulfilled. Now, that's, that's, that's still ambiguous for us. We, we're like, what does that mean? That, that all righteousness had to be filled. And there's a lot of different theories that uh, have been come up with about what exactly that means. Um, for one, uh, any... Righteous person at that time would need to go through confessing their sins and coming and being baptized. And so uh, maybe uh, some have postulated Jesus was going through what any righteous person should do at that time and saying this is what all should do and coming and being an example. Coming and being an example. Uh, he was baptized, so everyone else who wants to follow him should be be baptized as well. Um, Jesus, I think, was also putting a stamp of approval and endorsing John's ministry, saying, yes, John, what he was doing was, was right. Listen to what he's saying. Um, but also, I think it points, what Jesus was doing, he was identifying with those who would believe in him. He was identifying with sinners. Um, Isaiah 53 says he was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus didn't have any sin, and yet he died a criminal's death. He was numbered with the transgressors. In the same way, he identified with sinners even in his baptism. Uh, he didn't have any need for, uh, for it, but yet he came and he uh, submitted to that, pointing to what he was about to do. Um, what is baptism? What is it a picture of? It is a picture of Jesus' death, resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection. And so when Jesus was baptized, I think he was presenting a picture of what he had come to do, what his mission was. Uh, now, the people that were there, they probably didn't understand what that was all about. Um, but in his baptism, for us looking back on it, we can see uh, Jesus was identifying with his people that he came to save. And uh, he was giving an example for us to follow. And he was also pointing to the message of the gospel that he would come and die for our sins. 
Now verse 16. What we've seen so far, Jesus came to be baptized. He presented Himself to John to be baptized. In 14 and 15 we see the reason He came was to fulfill all righteousness. And I I tried to give an explanation for what that was, that that He came to fulfill all righteousness. Now the rest of this text, verses 16 and 17, we see this miracle. After Jesus' baptism, God recognizes... well. God doesn't recognize anything. He's God. <laughs> but he puts his, he, he does this, this miracle in order to kind of show John and everyone there who could see who Jesus was. And we read about this and we see uh, this is an identifier of who Jesus really was. One reason for this uh, incident here in the Bible is so that we would see who Jesus really is. Verse 16, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, which by the way, that means He was in the water. Right? He was in the water. Uh, now some might say, well, He walked out into the water and then uh, then they sprinkled him once he got out there. Well, why do you have to go out into the water? Can't you do that from the side? <laughs> no, he was out in the water where he was dumped, just like we did whenever we went out to, to uh, Coffee Lake with, with Ron. Um, and when he came up from the water, behold, the heavens were open to him. It says the heavens were open to him. Now who all saw this? Uh, it says the heavens were open to him. Um, I, I think uh, we know John probably saw it because in the Gospel of John, um, John the Baptist, it, it makes reference to the fact that he did see it. He saw uh, how the, the dove came down upon on Jesus or the, the Spirit came down on Jesus like uh, a dove. Um, we don't really know for sure who all was able to see it. Maybe only those who had eyes to see it saw it. Did the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were out there, did did they see it? Uh, I think maybe just those who had eyes to see were the ones who see it. But the heavens were open to Jesus and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. We have the Holy Spirit present here. The Spirit of God descending like a dove. We see a similar kind of language back in creation. In creation... You have uh, uh, the language used of the Spirit. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Um, and and the, that word hover is the word for like a bird flying. Um, so the Spirit has often been represented by, uh, by a bird or by a, a dove, even in, in the uh, Old Testament. And so what we see is here... Um, the Holy Spirit was present at Jesus' baptism. He, he made His presence known by descending upon Him, maybe in the form of a dove, but it just says like a dove. We don't know exactly what that looked like. Uh, but He came down um, like a dove and rested upon Jesus. And this was signifying who Jesus was. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11 tells us the Messiah was one who would be anointed with the Spirit. And here at Jesus' baptism, we have this fulfilled. The the Spirit came and showed His anointing power upon Jesus. 
Verse 17, And behold, a voice from heaven said, now the heavens were open already, and we see this voice came out of heaven. Just can you imagine the this booming noise coming? Now again, who heard it? Jesus heard it. Presumably, John the Baptist heard it. And I can think maybe um, let's think about Saul on the road to Damascus when he was on the road to Damascus and he had this vision of Jesus. He saw it, but the other people around him weren't aware. They didn't. They, they were blinded, or no? Um, they, they saw this shining light, but they didn't hear what Jesus was saying in the same way that Saul did. Um, so there's there is question about who actually saw this. Was it just Jesus and John the Baptist? But for whatever reason, we know that the Spirit descended on Jesus and the Father spoke about how he was pleased with what Jesus was doing. He said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Um, In those words, this is my beloved Son, I think he is referencing the passage that John read from here, from Psalm 2, where he says, You are my Son. Uh, In in Isaiah um, 44, 42. There's also a reference to uh, the, the, the suffering servant being one in whom the, the, the Lord is pleased. And so he's kind of mixing those two passages from Isaiah 42 and, uh, and uh, from Psalm 2, um, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You can also kind of think about um, Abraham. When we think of Abraham and, and his command that he was supposed to go and offer his son Isaac on the altar. When God came to Abraham, he said he needed to offer his son, his only son, the one whom he loved. His beloved son. And here, the same kind of language we hear from heaven proclaiming the Father recognizing the Son saying, this is my beloved Son. This is the This is my precious one. My beloved son. The son who has been with me from eternity past. With whom I am well pleased. When Jesus came to be baptized, when He submitted to baptism, He was pleasing His Father. And whenever He submitted to baptism, when the the Father um, spoke from heaven and said, this is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, He was putting His stamp of approval for for John or Jesus to to have a, 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 a sense of confidence in His mission. And also... Um, for us to see that they're written, that, 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 that all three persons of the Trinity were represented there. Now, we see this story. I'm going to kind of try to tease out a little bit here about the Trinity. This doctrine of the Trinity uh, is a mystery, it's hard for us to understand. Um, God is one. He's one God in three persons. Boggles the mind. It's hard for us to even to even grasp. Um, we know from from uh, 
Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Shema. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, the Lord alone. Um, and the emphasis in the Old Testament is so much there is one God. There is no other. None like Him. And yet here we see in the New Testament this, this fuller picture. We saw references to the, to the Spirit in the Old Testament, like at creation He was present. Um, in the New Testament, we see John, the Gospel writer, saying, the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through Him. So we know Jesus was present there at the creation, the second person of the Trinity. Um, we see there is one God, and there, is, are, there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the Father is not the Son. The Father was not crucified. The Father is not here present living in our hearts. The Spirit is here present living in our hearts. The Spirit was not crucified. The Spirit was not the one who planned everything from the beginning. The Spirit is the one who, in the language of the confession we read, proceeds from the Father and the Son. Uh, He was sent by the Father and the Son to live among us, to live within us, to empower us to to obedience, and to empower us to go and proclaim the Gospel. Um, The Son, He was the one who was crucified. Yet, there's one God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's not just part of God. As Josh would tell me, that's partialism. (laughs) He's not just part of God. And the Spirit is not just part of God. And the Father is not just part of God. Each one, you can talk about the Father and you can say He is God. You can talk about the Son and say He is God. You can talk about the Spirit and say He is God. You, you don't talk about the Spirit part of God. No, you say He is God. It boggles the mind. It is a mystery that we cannot explain. And even our attempts to explain, we end up in problems. Um, Josh is going to love this. You know, we, we often try to, to explain the Trinity by different analogies. We'll talk about, well, maybe, you know, uh, a lit candle. You've got the, the, the candle, and then you've got the heat, and you've got the light. But that would, again, be partialism, right, Josh? Yes. Partialism, where you've got each part. No. God, the Father is God. The Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We can also think uh, of this analogy that is common uh, where you say, well, I'm a son, and I'm also a father, and I'm also a husband. You know, I've got these three different roles. But that's an ancient heresy as well. Um, Because it's called modalism, where you uh, you have this idea that the father then became the Son, who then now becomes the Spirit. Well, 
The problem with that is all three were present at the baptism. Right? Jesus was there physically present. Uh, You have the Spirit descending on Him. And you have the Father speaking from heaven all simultaneously all at once. And then when you think about it, you've got Jesus praying in the garden to the Father. He's not schizophrenic. He's not not, uh, um, uh, having delusions or anything. He's not talking to Himself. He's, He's praying to the Father. In that, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God. Distinct in their persons, yet one God. And it boggles the mind. So, what do we do with this? Well, first of all, we worship Him for who He is. We worship Him for who He is. We sang this morning... Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. We we worship Him for who He is. Um, Other cults who may hold the Bible, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, they will have a Bible, but they won't recognize the Trinity. They'll say God is just one, but they they don't believe in the Trinity. They uh, believe that Jesus was just a created being. And in so doing, I think they deny John chapter 1. They say Jesus was just a created being, maybe the highest of all creations, but He's basically just an angelic being. And that diminishes God's glory. It, It makes Jesus out to be less than He really is. So... We worship Him for who He really is. You know, that's also, the Trinity... All three persons of the Trinity work in our salvation as well. This ought to cause us to, to glorify Him even more too. The Father planned it from all eternity past. This... Uh, in our devotions uh, as a family together, we've been going through Acts and here on the day of Pentecost... Peter, he preaches and says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. That's talking about the Father. His plan. So God, the Father planned our salvation. Jesus was the one who came and died. He, he lived from all eternity past. There was never a time when He was not. That's something we see in the confession there that we read. There was never a time that He was not. He always existed. He was eternally begotten. When we think of begotten, we think of someone having a beginning. But His begottenness has always been. That's, that, that, that'll blow your mind, won't it? <laughs> His begottenness has always been. And the, the Spirit's um, procession has always been. It, there was never a time whenever He was not proceeding from the Father and the Son. But it's been from all eternity past. <laughs> that ought to cause us to worship Him. 
to, to reflect on who he is. The, the Trinity, I think also, just another, uh, another, I guess, application, something to think about, how, how to, to cause us to be more amazed by the Trinity. The Trinity is necessary for God to be a loving God. Think about it. Love requires an object of the love, right? A, a beloved. Well, God existed from all eternity past, and we were not created until God decided to create us. All the angelic beings, they, were, they weren't, didn't exist from eternity past. So in the beginning, there was just God. And if love is one of God's attributes that's a part of His nature from all eternity, then who is the beloved from all eternity? It was the Son. The Father and the Son sharing this love from all eternity past. It just blows your mind, doesn't it? The Trinity is how we can know that God is by nature love and He loves us. That ought to be something that warms our hearts to help us to feel confident that God loves us. Because God is love and by His nature He has always loved be hard to land this one. (laughs) So all that to say, Jesus came to be baptized, submit to baptism as an example for us. When we believe on Him, we follow through with the same example. And we see here the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all together there at His baptism. This shows us who He was and why we ought to worship Him. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.